Well, grace, peace, and mercy be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. The feeding of the 5,000 is just one of those miraculous stories where you literally go, okay, let, let me understand the details. What are we talking about here? We kind of like represented, like God maybe came in and shrunk everybody's stomach, and so they, they each had a little pinch of bread, and they like smelled the fish, and that was like good enough, and they were like, ooh, I'm full. No, this is not the, the reaction that Scripture speaks of. Here, there's no symbols. What we get here in Scripture is there were hungry people late in the day who had sprinted from one side of the Galilee to the other to be where Jesus was. And they ate to their satisfaction. Which means they ate to their full. Which means they couldn't possibly put another piece of food away. And you know, you've experienced that, right? You've been out with family and friends. You have continued to keep pouring it in. You've been over people's houses and you've gone, whoo, I don't know. Okay, I'll have one more bite, right? You know, and you, well, but we haven't even gotten to dessert yet. Well, my dessert stomach is not yet full. <laughs> That's the, the dinner stomach is full, the drinking stomach is full, but the dessert stomach, if it's chocolate, we always have room for chocolate. So this week, no, I didn't plan it this way, but the feeding of the 5,000 comes to life for me in a very real and practical way. You see, my family normally around this week, right after the 4th of July, says, let's have family reunions. And a lot of times we go to Kansas. Now, You'd think, why do you go to Kansas? But that's where my family grew up, right? My parents, and, and there's great big lakes there. I mean, you can be on a boat and ski and tube all day long and hardly see anybody. But finally, my older sister, in her wisdom, says, why do we go to Kansas when it's 105? Can't we ever go to Colorado? I said, oh, yeah, I mean, that, that's awesome. Y'all come on over. And so the whole family's coming to my house. For this whole week, we're not getting hotel rooms. We're staying in our house, okay? And so the feeding of the 5,000 has become an epic uh, part of this whole planning. I've got a sister that's coming, that's moving into the Springs area. She's been to grocery stores. Cinda's been to grocery stores. My mom has been to the grocery store. I've picked up another. So if y'all don't have plates and napkins and ice around town, it's, it's all because of us. <clears throat> Yeah, we got members that live in our neighborhood. I just apologize already. You're not getting by our house. Just take the alternate route. We're going to have so many cars parked out front. We're borrowing a boat from a friend that's going to be parked out there. I mean, our neighbors are just going, really? Really? Family reunion? We don't care. Right? That's how it's going to be. We're buying food left and right. We're going to have about 50 people just today over at the house. My dad's sister her three kids, their families, their, their kids are coming down from Denver. So we just said, hey, everybody come. We got tables. We got food. We got food stashed all over the place. We got food everywhere, in the garage. Saturday we woke up. I said, let me just get something from the refrigerator out in the garage. Pfft. Refrigerator busted, doesn't work. We go over to Home Depot. We get another little cheapy refrigerator. I mean, you, you understand what's happening, right? It's a little high stress for food. And Jesus doesn't even blink an eye. Isn't that so like us? 
we get, we get all stressed out with the details. What's the meal plan? What day are we doing? Are we doing Taco Tuesday or is that on Monday? Are we doing Italian on Monday or is that Wednesday? I mean, we've we got this whole week trying to plan and we're stressed and Jesus goes, give them something to eat. What you got? Where's our, where's our trust? When God says, I will provide for your daily bread. This is no thing. This is no big thing. Our story actually starts with Jesus in that similar attitude, but it's not with a group of people yet. I want you to not pass by these details. In verse 30, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. In the Gospel of Mark, this is the only time that Mark uses the word apostles to describe the twelve. Now that's interesting. The twelve are also known as the disciples, but very few people are called apostles. Apostles are those that have been set apart. Every believer is a disciple, but an apostle is one who has been set apart, who's had hands laid on or has had a commissioning by Jesus himself that says, go and teach, go preach, go to the people, heal. These are the things that these apostles, these disciples, these 12 have been doing. They have been busy about the Lord's work. They have been not doing other jobs that other people have to do. They are, if you will, the church workers, okay? They're the ones set apart, going out, doing the big shtick, doing the big deal. And they come back to tell Jesus everything they've done. And what he perceives is... They've been so busy, they've been so involved in what's going on, they themselves have not even had a chance to eat. You had one of those days at work, right? Clients are calling in, you get busy with a project, boss says, hey, it's got to be done by the time you go home, and it's already 6 p.m., and you're still not done, and you're realizing time goes by, and you need more signatures, or you got to do more hiring, or you got to make more phone calls, and all of these things, you realize, man, have I even eaten today? You can kind of relate, I think. The disciples have been this busy. They have been about the Lord's work all this way, and Jesus sees them and says, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. I love this compassion from Jesus. I love how what Jesus does is he sees his hardworking apostles, the ones he has set apart, and he says, tell you what, let's just go get some rest. Yes, right? Doesn't that just sound good, right? I mean, if this morning your parents, right, kids, you'd walk, they'd walked into your room and said, you are just so stressed with summer vacation. There's so much going on in your life. You, you just need some rest, right? Or if you're an adult now, and let's say your parents called you this morning and said, you, you should rest Today. I mean, would that not just be awesome to hear, right, from your folks? You should rest. 
You know, that's, it's technically what the Sabbath is about. It's meant to be a day of rest. It's meant to be restorative. There, there should be at least a day in your week where you model what God did after six days of creation where it says He rested from all that He had done. I mean, that's physical rest, right? That's mental rest. That's, that's spiritual rest where you just aren't worried about the things that are going on all around you, where you get to just be at peace. Kind of the peace before the storm. Not only did we decide to host the family reunion at my house, but I decided to start some home improvement projects a few weeks a little late. So we're down a shower, okay? Uh, we had three, we're down to two. And I'm working, I'm trying to get things ready. And then the, the tile was trying to dry yesterday. I said, well, why not start another one? And so I ripped up the carpet and started to put some wood floor down. And I mean, it's all a mess, right? So I'm busy, I'm running around through the house. And Cinda was gone at a horse show, and, you know, his family hadn't yet arrived, and there was a long list of things to clean and get ready in the house, right? And Mom had said, hey, I'll help out, right? So I walked downstairs about 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I need a little break, all right? I grab a stick of cheese, a little sustenance, and I go to, and she's sitting on the couch reading a book. <laughs> and so I kind of needle her a little bit. I'm like, what, what are you doing? I'm like, people are coming. You said you'd clean. She said, I got one chapter of this great book to read. And if I don't get it done now, it'll be a week from now before I ever get some rest. Right? If you don't take your rest when you can, that's how life is, is it piles up and piles up and piles up. And you'll, you'll seemingly never get your rest. This is incredibly compassionate by Jesus, right? To say, get some rest. Because in our society especially, right? To be restful is, well, tantamount to being lazy. I don't know if it's our high military background in the area. Uh, most of you, you know, have advanced or at least a college degree. And most of you have an advanced degree. You're hard chargers. You, you, you get your name, right? You, you do better. You, you, you get the promotions. You've got, you're highly successful. A lot of type A's. You're always moving. You're never sitting still. We raise our kids the same way. We're always excelling, always moving on to the next thing. And it's like if we were to take a break or take a rest... It's like we view it as being lazy. Maybe it's because we live in Colorado and, you know, we're the healthiest and fittest state in the nation. And, and so we just feel like we got to be on the move and around and act because we don't want to be called the couch potato state, right? You know, and so I, I don't know. Jesus has compassion on the apostles and says, let's go off. To a quiet place and rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many saw them leaving, recognized them, and ran on foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. The idea is, is that the Sea of Galilee, it looks like the disciples and Jesus were on the southwest corner and they were going to the northwest corner. There are two major towns. <clears throat> on the west side of the Galilee. 
the largest of which only has 3,000 people in it, the second largest, 2,000 people. Now, remember, this story is about the feeding of 5,000 men, not including women and children. Most scholars believe it's at least around 15,000 people, okay? So they came not only from these towns, but they came from surrounding countryside. When the word went out, Jesus is going to be on the northeast side, people came. And the word here is, that is used to describe their movement is that they sprinted. There's only one other time in Mark that the word is used. And it is when John and Peter sprint to the tomb. And I was discovering that this week. I thought, how incredible is it that when you sprint to where Jesus is, He never fails. That when you run all out, when you you sell all out, it looks as you leave everything behind and you go to where Jesus says, He doesn't disappoint. He provides. And man, when He provides, it's it's in an abundance. Right? He goes, the people sprint to the other side. And not only does it say when Jesus got there, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. He doesn't say, hey, you know what? We're taking a little vacation time. We got the apostles. Y'all need to go home. I'll hit you next week. He has compassion on them and he teaches them. He provides for what they needed. And then, not just spiritual food, but earthly food as well. He takes care of every single one of their needs. I mean, how often is it that we forget that God provides for each and every part of our day, from our spiritual food to to guardian, right? He's the master guardian of our lives, the protector, that he provides for our daily needs. We shouldn't forget. This was late in the day. The disciples came to him. Hey, it's already a remote place. It's late. People are hungry. Will you give them something to eat? Huh, that'd take eight months' wages. Well, give them bread. How much bread do you have? We know from the other Gospels, right, that they find a boy that had five loaves of bread and two fish. Jesus takes the five loaves, the two fish. He looks up to heaven. He says, thank you, God, for what you have given. And see, the rest of the world goes, really? Five loaves, two fish. Might make it. One meal for our family for lunch. And then everyone's still going to be hungry. And Jesus says, thank you. Thank you for what we have. The idea is is that he kept breaking it off and handing it to the disciples. And the disciples went out, delivered it to groups of people in 50 and hundreds, came back, and Jesus just kept handing it out. And every time he broke off, there was more than enough to break off and put into a basket, and the disciples took it out. Over 15,000 people were fed. 
And at the end of it, in first century Palestine, guys included used to carry a basket about the size of the Bible, uh, about this size. They each carried a basket. They kind of had some uh, rope or, or little pieces of leather. They kind of tied to their back when they're not using it. But when they needed a basket, whip the basket out. Now you got a basket. It's part of their accessories. Ladies, not necessary that you emulate this at all times, but if it makes you feel holier, go ahead. Guys, you want to go for your man basket? That's okay too, right? The idea is they took their baskets and they went around to the groups and they picked up bread. Why? This is a normal practice. It doesn't matter if you're out having a picnic or if you're at home. Bread was so valuable because it reminded the Israelites of the time when they lived in the wilderness and God provided bread for their daily food. And so to Israelites, bread was very important. It had not just a historical meaning, but this theological meaning that this is the very provision of God. And so they picked up every scrap. They weren't deep baskets, so you're not talking like a foot tall or anything, probably just a couple of inches. And each of the 12 disciples came back with 12 baskets full of leftovers. The idea, again, is that God had provided way more than what they needed. This is what God does. He's ready to forgive way more than we deserve. He's ready to to fill us up with blessings way more than we deserve. He's ready for a hand of protection. He's ready for a hand of blessing. He's ready to give way more than what we deserve. Isaiah chapter 25 reminds us, On this mountain, the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food for all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats, the finest of wines. On this mountain, he will destroy the shroud that enfolds all people, the sheet that covers all nations. He will swallow up death forever. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces. He will remove the disgrace of his people from the earth. And on that day, those people will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. Do you not know that those people that sat there on the northeast side of the Sea of Galilee said, man, we were coming out to get preaching. We got dinner as well. This is awesome. And they were full. And that's how God works. It's blessing upon blessing. And and, and when God comes to take us home, we're going to sit at a banquet table. And that's how he describes it. It's the best of meats, the best of wines. And what what does it cover? It covers that fear of death. Now, being a family reunion, uh, one of the topics at family reunions is... Death. Yeah, very good. Okay, so um, maybe, maybe your family reunion is not like ours, but we talk about dead people all the time, you know, and, uh, and, and those that are maybe going to be soon to join them, okay? And, and we're okay with that. We're all good with that until the stories start to pop up. Well, remember when the, the urn got knocked over and there were at I mean, do you vacuum that up or do you sweep that up? And, and you know, there's all these kinds of questions, and, and that's not like your family, huh? Y'all don't... Well, that's, that's our family, all right? So the point is, is, you can either approach death with fear and trembling, or you can approach death with a sure and certain confidence 
that God has removed the shroud of death and there is no fear. So if today's my last day, if this is my last reunion, if this is the last time, right, that, that my family will meet together with all members present, if it's the last, bring it. Because we just don't fear death. And each and every meal that you eat, I want you to know this, it's a reminder that God has provided for you for today. For today. The miracle is you have everything you need today. With no fear, no wondering, and no worries. May truly the God of peace who gives in abundance give you that grace. Amen.